Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those of you who might be taking this journey with us for the first time, we're speaking with artists for whom making music is as natural as breathing. Some of them are the sons and daughters of music stars. Some of them grew up in homes surrounded by family music makers. Some of them began making music when they were so young that they can hardly remember a time when music was not in their lives. But all of them are children of song. Over the next 40 minutes, we'll find out who inspired them and who they might have met backstage, who stopped by for a meal, and ultimately we'll learn what drove these artists to continue the family legacy and pursue their own musical journeys. I'm Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman. Hey, Brad. Hey, Robert. Good to be here again, as always, and I feel like we're heading to church a little bit this morning, Robert. I'm getting that feeling, too. Brad's here to keep us honest, and so is Jamie Pfeffer, our engineer. In what we've been calling our Nashville sessions, we continue this morning in the historic Waverly-Belmont neighborhood where we find ourselves with the McCrary Sisters. These four women are truly children of song, since they are the daughters of the late, legendary Reverend Sam McCrary. He was a key member of the Fairfield Four. One edition of this enduring quartet is famed for its appearance in the movie and Grammy-winning soundtrack, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But long before that, the Fairfield Four was known as the most influential harmony quartet in gospel music history, and Sam McCrary founded that group in 1921. Today, Anne, Deborah, Regina, and Alfreda McCrary are among the most sought-after backing vocalists in Music City. They've lent their spectacular harmony voices to a who's who of music, including Carrie Underwood, Tricia Yearwood, Bob Dylan, Elvis Presley, Stevie Wonder, Isaac Hayes, Martina McBride, Cheryl Crow, Greg Allman, Hank Williams Jr., The Black Keys, Dr. John, Roseanne Cash, you name it. <laughs> McCrary sisters are equally celebrated for their own recordings. Their three albums to date have been Our Journey in 2011, all the way in 2013, and Let's Go in 2015. They also star at the nationally televised annual Americana Music Awards Gala at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. This year, the McCrary Sisters are releasing their first live DVD, which was filmed during an electrifying performance in the Nashville hotspot, Third and Lindsley. I was there, and I can tell you, it was a treat. We're joined today by all four McCrary sisters, and it is great to see you guys again. <laughs> the last time I was with you, all four of you together was when you were feeding me fried chicken. <laughs> we're actually neighbors. Their house is actually just five minutes from here. Anne, uh, you're the oldest, so tell yes. us about how big a presence your daddy was and, and what kind of an influence he was musically. Well, daddy to us was stronger than iron, mm -hmm. is what I always describe him as. Uh, he, was, he was just there. He was a father that any child would love to have, would love to have. And as far as the music is concerned, we thought there was no other person that could sing like Daddy. <laughs> he, 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 he was a real presence. I know. We just thought Daddy was just as the... Folks, do they still say the bomb? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I always thought of him as such a leader, too. Yeah. You know, he was really a, a powerful force in the community. Yes, he was. And so was he a strict dad? Honestly, da Daddy, you know, we got spankings back in the day. <laughs> and each I'm one a preacher's of, kid as well. Okay. <laughs> each one of us, uh, we 
can't say maybe if we got one from him, one spanking, mm -hmm. he would get you with his tongue. Mm -hmm. He would, by the time he finished talking to you, you were crying a river, you know. Mm -hmm. It was just like, and in your heart you thought, I'll never <laughs> do it again because I never want him to be disappointed in me like the, this. The spanking was almost like a relief because you knew it was I over, know, right? I would think if he just spanked me, give me a few little licks and let me go my way, I'll be okay. But he would go and he would get in your mind and in your heart and you knew exactly what you had done and like I said, when it was over, you think, I'm not going to ever <laughs> do that again because I don't want to be subjected to this Right. talk anymore. Did he sing to you? Sing to us? Uh, he, he really didn't sing to us. We we just heard singing all the time. They you rehearsed know, at the house, They right? rehearsed mm -hmm. at the house. And we heard singing all of the time. All of the time. We thought if you couldn't sing, it was something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Fairfield Four, for people who don't know, was just this hugely influential group. I mean, probably the most influential Southern gospel quartet singers ever. Yes. And so did they incorporate you into the act when you were kids? Did they bring you up on stage? No. <laughs> they didn't bring... No. Now, I sang with Daddy mm -hmm. uh, from the time I was three until... Uh, how old was I? Maybe about when he started to, when he became a pastor mm -hmm. of the church, I sang at the church. So uh, when I had to start in school, I stopped singing with him because I traveled everywhere with him. And he would bring me on the stage. But the main reason he did is once they didn't have money to get home and he brought me on the stage to sing, and people started throwing money on the stage. After that, he would bring me up all the time. You were the meal ticket. I was the meal ticket. I was the way to get back home. What did he you was, sing? Uh, I sang a song. Betsy Griffin taught me a song since I Betsy Griffin Jesus. was a gospel yeah. music singing legend. Yes, yeah, she, uh-huh. Oh, can we hear a little bit of that? What, what did you sing? I sang, since I met Jesus, what a burning, oh, what a burning deep down in my soul. So beautiful. And it just went on from that, and people were throwing, you know, of course, the pitch was higher because my voice, you know, she get up. Little kid. But, yeah. <laughs> but people would throw money on the stage, and uh, so he never left home without me until I had to start in school, and he didn't have a choice but let me go to school. I just told uh, the sisters that uh, the Fairfield Four have a recording that is in competition for the Grammy Hall of Fame this year, which is really cool. It's uh -huh. one of their most famous songs. Mm -hmm. Don't let nobody turn you around. Mm -hmm. Do you know it? Oh, yes. Can you do a little bit of it? <laughs> okay. Don't you let nobody turn you around, don't you? 
Turn around, you better keep on to Galilee. Well, my mother died and left me. Oh, she left me all alone. Well, I have no friends or relations. I'm just trying to make heaven my home. Don't. Sound just like the Fairfield Four. <laughs> <laughs> that harmony blend did, was that like just born in you? Did you have to learn it? Uh, it? It, you know, the way we did. I, I started on a note, and she was on the same note, and she looked at me, and <laughs> so that meant for me to move. So you uh, can't sing my note. I know. <laughs> so that, but it is. It's almost uh, an instinct, you know. Unspoken. Yeah. 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 We know that we know Frida's gonna do the top. Sometimes she'll start out and she thinks I'm not high enough, so she goes and we just like dominoes kind of fall into place, you know. You mentioned Bessie Griffin a minute ago. Mm -hmm. Did you meet all the great gospel artists as they came through Nashville? Yes. yes. Like who? Who did you get to meet? Like Shirley Caesar? Yes. <laughs> I'm Regina. Mm -hmm. Shirley Caesar is my godmother. Is that right? <laughs> yes. And. Um, Shirley Caesar, Reverend Joe Mays, Reverend James Cleveland, the Staple Singers, they used to all come to our house and St. Mark Baptist Church, mm -hmm. um, uh, where when we were young and most black people could not go to hotels and stay. Right. Um, when they would have concerts, our dad was also like a promotional person also. So when they would have these concerts and all these other churches wouldn't let them go to day church because mm -hmm. they said they're going to shout and tear up the church, <laughs> my, uh, our father would let um, these uh, concerts come to St. Mark Baptist Church. And these people would stay with us and stay with other people that was close to the family because they couldn't stay at hotels. So we got a chance to run across mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of very famous gospel singer. That must have been really inspiring. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, I, I envy you that. That's really, <laughs> that's really cool. But now, like, a lot, some, I, read, I meet some gospel performers whose parents <laughs> only let them listen to gospel music and nothing else. Mm. But now, you guys weren't raised that way, right? No. No. And tell me about that. You had influence from different styles of music? Well, I, Regina, I, I, I enjoyed gospel, R&B, Jazz. I went to. Uh, I graduated from Hillsborough High School, so I was in the varsity choir. So I had to learn classical, all that kind of music. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna be honest and bear it right now. I faked my way. I wish I hadn't, but I faked my way, and I had my music teacher thinking that I could read music, but <laughs> I have an ear where I can hear my parts. And I naturally would go to the part. Maybe I might be off on one or two notes, but other than that, 
I, I'd have the music in front of me and I'd listen and I'd hear my part and I'd sing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we had the ear. Yeah. That's what happens with mm -hmm. us now. And also we have four brothers and that's what happened with, with all of us all the time. One would start singing and we'd hear it. We'd hear they know and we'd fit in those other notes. Mm -hmm. So you would hear like uh, the Sweet Inspirations or mm -hmm. Aretha Franklin or something and, and yeah. incorporate all of that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, did, did Daddy, how did he teach it to you though? I mean, did it just gravitate because it happened so young? And you said you were three when you started singing it. Mm -hmm. And so you're so young, it almost happens without you it, understanding well, we or knowing it. We were in the choir. We, we, we were in, yeah. in, the, in the choir. And another, I, this is Deborah. We, I, we grew up with a piano in our house. and. Um, we would sit down at the piano. We'd hear something on the radio, then we'd sit down at the piano and pick the notes out. <laughs> we could all play by ear. You know, everybody'd be like, who taught you how to play? Nobody taught us we played by ear. we play what we would hear. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> this is Frida, but our brother, Donna Ray, mm -hmm. he, did, he did music. He knew music, and uh -huh. he, he taught music, and he was a teacher, and uh, that's the one. He's deceased now. Uh -huh. And but he was brilliant. Mm -hmm. He knew everything about music uh, and could sing. The, how did the songwriting develop? Because this is something that not every, like you say you play piano by ear. Songwriting is another thing that for a lot of people does not come naturally. Mm -hmm. Did it just evolve as you began to sing? It it did. This is Anne. It did evolve. Um, trial and error. Mm -hmm. You know, I can remember some of the songs I've started writing when I was really young. It was just really crazy, you know, and they, they, they would sound awful, but uh, I would write them anyway. And then as I learned, you know, I took music in school, and as I would learn music theory and different things in school, I would come home and incorporate that into what I was doing, you know, into my music, my writing, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so it was, uh, it was really, really a, 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 develop, a development thing, I think, for all of us. Did you any know. of those early songs make it into your records and stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm Regina. Yeah, uh, it, matter of fact, uh, Let It Go, Deborah, like we always tell the story about her recovering from her stroke, but while she was laying there, she was writing, she was she was creating and things that she was thinking. She was just writing it down, and Anne and I went over and we were like, "What is this?" And we picked it up and we started reading it. And next thing you know, it's like um, uh, she said, "It's just something I wrote." And we looked at it and we said, "Deborah, this is a song." And we start singing parts and creating uh, leads and background parts with what she had just written. And um, that's how the song Let It Go came about. And this is Deborah, and what I would like to do, I like to write poems. So I'd be thinking I'm writing a poem, but they'd be like, this is not a poem, this is a song. <laughs> so I didn't realize I was writing a song. Like whenever I go through, I write a poem about it. And Let It Go wound up on that. Uh, on that uh, second album, uh, mm -hmm. do a little bit to give us a flavor for what that was like. Oh, oh. Uh, uh. how you gonna handle it? How you gonna handle it? 
If you don't, I can't think of let it go. <laughs> I know I can't fix it all by myself. By myself. I asked the Lord to help me over and over again. And before I know it, I take you right back in my hand. Oh, Lord, I gotta let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. All my worries. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. My health. Let it go. My mind. Let it go. My money. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Beautiful. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about how these artists come to their houses, right? I mean, because they seek them out to what's, back them up. It's what's a, the secret for to staying in Bob Dylan's good graces? <laughs> well, to be real. Yeah. You know. That's was, it? Just be honest? I was just, I was butt naked real. Mm-hmm. Just flat real. If I didn't like something, I'd say I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And that it, went over well? It went over very well. Well, now, but you've worked with Elvis, and that he, everybody tells me you had to be a yes man around him. Well, the thing, we, Ann and I, and Deborah, we, when we went to Memphis, what we did with him was he had a big show called Elvis Presley Gospel Hour, Gospel Show, and it was the BCNL Mass Choir and all of us, and we went and we sung songs with him and behind him. But um, no, it wasn't. He just, no, whatever. He was he was nice. Was he? Mm-hmm. Very sweet and nice. Mm-hmm. Very southern. I don't know how to be a, a, a yes man, right. uh, a yes person. person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to do that. I, I Sometimes I get in trouble because mm-hmm. I will tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say what I need to say. In a sweet, humble kind of way, but assertive, but I get it. I get my message across. <laughs> no, you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you brought Bob Dylan home with you, didn't you? Yes, what, yes. What'd your folks think? Oh, my, my parents, they met him way before. Uh, they met him before I went out on the road with him. I had to get my dad and my mom's consent. I mean, even though I was uh, 19, it was the fact that, you know, when he told me I had the job, um, he asked me, he said, well, how, you never seen my show? Because I didn't know who he was. He was sitting in the room, and I was like, who's that white man sitting over there? <laughs> so uh, I didn't know who he was, so he knew, because I didn't know who he was, I'd never seen the show. So he said, you got to come see our show. So he said, how many tickets you need? I said, 17. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, 17? I said, yeah. I said, At that time, I was married. I said, my husband, my little boy, me. I said, my mama, my daddy. I got three sisters and four brothers. He said, forget it. Give her 17 tickets. (laughs) So everybody that was available came to the show, and they all, my whole family met him that night. And the thing was, when Bob Dylan met my daddy, he told me later, he said, I've never been so still and in awe of a man and his voice. He said, I could tell when he walked in the room and I heard him speak for the first time. He said it, it, it felt like a, the voice of God, what it would sound like in my ear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And, uh, and Bob stood there. And when Bob looked at my dad, my dad looked at him and said, so you taking my little girl out on the road? 
And Bob Dylan said, yes, sir. My dad put his hand out to shake his hand. And when Bob put his hand in my daddy's hand, my dad pulled him in real gentle and looked him straight in the eyes and said, don't make her cry. So that was the beginning of it. So <laughs> after that, when Bob came to the house and my mama fed him, you know, he was used to my mama because that night also uh, my mom said, honey, I just need to ask you one question. And he looked at, we call our mama Madea, and he looked at Madea and he said, yes. And she said, I just need to know one thing. What was you saying? I couldn't understand one word. <laughs> so, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. I don't can't understand him half the time. <laughs> yeah. But after that, when he came to the when he came to the house and ate, he came to Ann's house once, and we had dinner at her house and fed him there. And he came to the house on Ackland. That's the and, house I know. Yeah. yeah. And when he came there, uh, he had a bodyguard, and my mom was like, "Who are you, baby?" Talking to the bodyguard, and he said. I'm Mr. Dillon's bodyguard. She said, well, you off tonight. You, you're off work tonight. You're off duty. Don't." Do, and she looked at Bob. She said, do you need a bodyguard to come up in my house? And he said, no, ma'am. And she said, well, come on in. And they came in, and she said, and she was talking to Bob. She said, and I'm taking you to the kitchen because you is skinny, and you need some meat on you, so I'm going to take you in here and feed you myself. So she took him in the kitchen and fed him. Now, you do blowing in the wind, don't you? Mm -hmm. Can you? I, I love your version of it. What, what did Bob think of it? He he loved it. He said uh, he said ah oh, yeah yeah that's 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 got dirt on it. <laughs> and and I was like, is that good? He said yeah yeah. And then he went to explain that when he meant dirt, people are so busy trying to write songs and perform songs that they end up feeling like concrete and plastic. He said, but dirt is real. It's, it's the true substance. He, it means earth. He said, and I'm not saying that because I wrote Blowing in the Wind. He said, I'm saying it because you guys have taken Blowing in the Wind when I wrote it back in the late 50s, 60s, and you have turned it into a song that needs to be heard today for a whole new generation. Wow, what a compliment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I gotta hear the dirt. Uh, ooh, that's a hard one. Just a little bit. Mm, I wanna know how many rows must a man walk down before you can call him a man. Oh, I wanna know how many seeds must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand and how many times must a cannonball fly before they're forever banged the
Yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so do you, in, in retrospect now, do you feel like you, do you wish you had come together sooner in your lives, or do you think it happened at the right time? Uh, this is Anne. I, I do wish we had come together sooner, but the way I look at it is that we all had a path to walk. Mm -hmm. um, you, we, you can get into something too early and mess it up because you're not ready. Mm -hmm. And so we all had a path to walk, and it came full circle, you know, came full circle. And, and when it met at the top, you know, we were ready to do something. Everybody was asking, when are you going to, when are you going to, when are you going to do this and when are you going to do that? And we just looked at each other and said, do you want to do it? And at that point, I think it was just we were ready. We were ready to do it. It's, we're siblings, and it gets rough and it gets tough. But I always say you have to respect your <laughs> brothers and sisters the same way you respect your friend. Your friend's not perfect. Your friend has faults. Your friend does not do everything the same way you do it. And at a point, we have to release our siblings to be who they are and not to try to make them be like us. You know, you come from the same mama and daddy. You come from the same household, and you want that person that you grew up with to have your same values, like the same thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to accept them when they like doing different stuff. But you have to accept them as a human being. They're always going to be your brothers and sisters, but accept them as a human being. And that way you can get along because if you say blue and they say green, you say, oh, okay, that's the way you see it. That's very wise. That's very wise. That's uh -huh. a very wise way to be. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. I it is hard. Too, and, yeah. you know, my brothers and sisters aren't at all like me. I know. <laughs> you know the, uh, the idea of being in the sh do you feel like you're in the shadow of greatness Cause because of your father being who he was? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to, all of these children of song, you know, when you talk to John Carter Cash, I mean, there he is working under the shadow of Johnny Cash. Exactly. And you have a legendary parent. Mm -hmm. And is that a burden, or is that something that you have embraced? Well, I'm, I'm Regina. I, I love it. I... Um, I love it and I constantly, every day, thank God for it because um, to watch Daddy go out and sing with the Fairfield Four and uh, uh, what was that? He told us he was going to sing Carnegie Hall and he was so excited about it to watch him prepare to go, the Fairfield Four, go sing at Carnegie Hall. And to know that um, he is and always was to me a very humble man. Mm -hmm. He didn't walk around bragging and he wasn't boastful and he didn't treat people uh, standoffish because of who he was and what he had accomplished in his life. It was a blessing to be in a house with someone who carried themselves in such a humble way. And what he taught us was that, you know, you you got to be who you are and 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 
you don't, when, when somebody was coming to the house and we'd be like, oh, Shirley Caesar's is coming. Oh, uh, daddy would say, well, they put their pants on one leg at a time. And when they have to go to the bathroom, they go to the bathroom <laughs> just like you. So even though you do and you are excited about who these people are, you have to understand you can't put people up on a pedestal. You have to let people be who they are because as soon as you put them on a pedestal, you have expectation of them. And if they fall, then it might mess with you for the rest of your life. So we just, we grew up in the house knowing and, and thanking God that our daddy was big enough to be small and small enough to be big. And, and, and he taught us that saying, value of mm -hmm. just being real loving one another and lo loving yeah. everybody yeah. if you love it, everybody then when you see them then that's what you get yeah. do, you, do you find that your faith and your music I mean you you have all faced terrible losses mm -hmm. you know deaths in the family Deborah you have faced health issues mm -hmm. all I mean it's not like your lives have been this bed of roses right. no. I mean you have had your your struggles right. all of you and tell me about how this life that you have chosen this this music and this faith and this thing you have surrounded yourself and been a part of has helped you move on well, well i'm regina <laughs> I, i'm gonna get mine out first um when um when i was strung out on drugs um i was remember being locked up in my house one day and we had to go sing and ann knocked on my door and she said uh, open up the door, Regina. I said, I can't. I said, I'm trying to do something. She said, no, you're getting high. And I broke down and started crying. She said, if you don't come up out of there, you're going to die. I remember God using Ann to save me then. And then I, when my son was murdered, uh, my only child was murdered a few years ago, it was, it was my sisters who when I never thought about giving up. Never thought about giving up. I got weak. I felt weak, but I never, it never entered my mind to go back and use drugs. It never entered my mind to turn my back on God. I was just in so much insane pain. I didn't know how to deal with it. And when I thought I was being stagnated and standing in the same place and not moving, I remember the voice of God telling me, to look, turn around, and just look. And when I looked where I was when I was on drugs and was delivered, where I was when my son was murdered, I was so much farther than that going up. Mm -hmm. Not going down, but going up. Uh, sometimes crying, but still going up. Sometimes hurting, but still going up. And to know that God had a hand in everything that I do in my life, to know that he brought me through everything that he used these women. But it was God who kept his hand on me. Never to this day as I talk to you has his hand been off me. You're going to make me cry. Oh, <laughs> okay, I'm through. <laughs> That's such a moving testimony. This this is Anne. One of the things that I went through is, uh, you know, I come from the old school. You know, if you're married, you stay married, you know. So uh, I struggled through that and struggled through that. And I remember 
I went to see uh, a mother of of the church, and uh, she said, "Now, baby, you fast and pray for three days." And I didn't understand about fasting and praying, you know. So, but I just did what she said, and I really thought at the end of the three days that he was my my husband was gonna be changed. Everything was gonna be changed. I thought all of that. And uh, when I realized things were the same, I remember it was storming outside, and um, I just backed up against the wall. I was just crying so hard, and I was backed up against the wall. And um, I'm telling this on radio. A lot of people, when I tell them that, they look at me like I'm crazy. But I backed up against the wall, and through the storm in my window, there was... Like sun, like the sun was shining straight through my window, and I heard in my heart, you know, no voice out in the wilderness, but I heard in my heart, you can't change anyone else but yourself. Once you change yourself, the difference, you will make a difference in your situation. And that made so much sense to me. It's like, the things, I'm going to change me. I can't change him. I can't change you. can't change anybody else. I can change me. And once I changed myself and I did the things that I knew that God wanted me to do because I had stopped singing. I, have, I had almost stopped going to church. So I started back singing. I started back going to church. And my life got so good. I was still in a bad situation at the house. Mm -hmm. But my life, I was so happy because I was doing the things that I knew I was supposed to do. And, and of course, the house eventually fell apart, but I was happy about that, too, you know. <laughs> but um, How did that inform the music? I mean, what kind of music came out of these experiences? Because I know, Regina, you wrote a beautiful song out of your experience. Well... Yeah. Go, Regina. Well, I, I, I wrote a song called You Can Make It Through the Night. And uh, that song was basically uh, came because of one night when, um, you know, it's kind of like, when I don't know if you've ever experienced, but when you lose a loved one, and um, I don't care if it's a child, a husband, wife, brother, sister, you got everybody coming around when they hear the news that the person has passed. They come around and they bring food. They conversate. Then you have the day of the funeral. Everybody's there the day after the funeral, maybe. But then all of a sudden the house gets quiet. Nobody's calling. Nobody's coming. During that point in my life, I was in my house. And that night I could just hear those little gremlins, those demons in my head saying, uh, you're by yourself. Your daddy's gone, your mama's gone, and then your only child is gone. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to get on the highway. I'm going to get behind this wheel, behind, uh, I'm going to get right behind an 18-wheeler truck, and then I'm going to get in front of it, and I'm going to go real fast, and then I'm going to put on brakes and let this 18-wheeler hit me. And I was trying to make myself... That's a terrible idea. I know. <laughs> and I was trying to make myself visualize it so much that I would actually go do it. And my phone rung, and it was a friend of mine, a minister. His name was Reverend Chris Poole. 
And he was like, what are you doing? And I broke and started crying. And he said, Regina, you can make it. Don't give up. You can make it through. The, all you got to do is get through tonight. And then he just, out of, out of the Holy Spirit, just putting it on him, he starts singing, and he sung, you can make it through the night. Uh, just a, a verse. And I recorded him doing that. I said, because I got to listen to this over and over again. And he just had a verse. That's all he did. And, and uh, I just kept listening to it. And all of a sudden, that got me through the night. And it got me through another night. And then the Holy Spirit just said, here's the rest of it. And I sit down and wrote the rest of the song. And What's that old expression? Uh, uh, I didn't write it. I just held the pen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, <laughs> that is exactly what it was. <laughs> Yeah. He wrote it, I held the pen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this song. this is a end. I wrote a song all the way. It's on our third uh, CD. But the song simply says, put one foot in front of the other. You can make it. You know, don't stop. Don't give up. You can make it. And that's what I had been going through all the way. I had made up my mind that I was going all the way. When I was little... They called me a prodigy. Yeah, prodigy. Yeah. And you were. Yeah. When I was little, that's what, and and uh, when a man said that to me, and that haunted me so bad, I thought, this is what people had said about me, and look at me now. Hmm. Look, just just look at me. That you expectation. Know. Yeah. Look at me now. I am, I'm not that, you know. And uh, when I decided that I was going to just go, I decided, you know, uh, the the uh, first line says, I'm a winner because I know what I must do. I know the road to take. I know the, I know the right. I know the right road to take and to choose, you know. And uh, so I knew it, and I knew I had to do it. That's the thing is when you know you have to do it, you have to do it. That's the only way that that's the only thing that's going to give you satisfaction within yourself and gives God satisfaction because he knows he'll give you the strength. You just have to do it. Well, it helps that you are beloved by everyone in this community. <laughs> <laughs> Can we hear a little bit of all the way? I'm a winner because I know what I must do. I know the way to go. I know the path to choose. Sometimes it seems hard to do the right thing. Hard to do the right thing. But I'd rather do it right. I'm tired of doing wrong. I need more than a sad song to sing. Oh Lord. Seems like all I've had is sad songs. Ooh. Mm. I've got to move on. Yeah. I'm going on the way. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Robert K. Orman, and you're listening to Children of Song. We're visiting today with the McCrary sisters. And- <laughs> Feeling it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Regina, you have to lead us through one. Okay. Um, 
You can make it through the night Even when it don't feel right He'll hold your hand and see you through For he loves and cares for you. Never give up, nor give in. Hold on to God, he cares, my friend. For he will take you to that secret place if you would remain in his face so you can make it through the night trust in god everything's all right He'll hold your hand and seed you through. For he loves and cares about you. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> the new DVD is, is just out. Uh, that night, there were so many great moments. Yeah. I mean, on that stage, it was anointed. It really was. Is there a special one from that night that you feel like really captured it? Hmm. You know, that wasn't they captured. <laughs> you just want me to sing. Yeah. Yes, that's, we do, Frida. But that—that no. that, that is that is that's what we live by. Mm-hmm. This is Regina. That's what we live by. Mm. If you believe, yes, yes, you got to believe it. Then you have to see it and it manifests. Mm-hmm. Okay, so come on, come on. If you believe. He'll make a way for you. And if you believe, he'll always see you through. Oh, if you believe, all things are possible, yes. Oh, if you believe, you shall receive. Oh, Oh, if you Okay. <laughs> you know, just an observation I want to make is that, you know, you can see the love. On, we've been talking about love over these past couple episodes, but you can kind of really get a feel it across this room. And, you know, melodies and harmonies, harmonies especially, you also have each individual voices, but you blend so perfectly mm. and you just see it. You can't beat that sister bond. <laughs> really you know, you really can't. You see it. Thank yes, you. thank you. Thank you so much. So. This is Fred and I, you know, I usually just do whatever they say. It's <laughs> because you're the baby. I'm the baby. You're the baby. I'm the baby. In reality, I do. I don't, I don't fuss. I don't argue with them. I just, whatever. And Deborah, <laughs> and Deborah holds down the, the bottom end. <laughs> she's, yes. the, she's the rock. Yes. She's the anchor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes Deborah is the rock. Well, uh, we also do a song in honor of Daddy. Oh, called Dig a Little Deeper. 
Oh, Not the old, dig a little deeper. The old one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. yeah. Do a little bit of it. Come on, Let's get your key. We'll follow. Come on. You ready? I don't do what they say. Okay. Come on. Nearer to thee, nearer to thee, I long to be, I long to be, I want to dig a little deeper in the storehouse of his love, eternal love, I I want to shine, with love sublime, with love sublime. I wanna dig a little deeper in the storehouse of his love, eternal love. Yeah, I wanna dig a little deeper in God's love. I wanna dig a little deeper in God's love. I wanna dig a little deeper in the storehouse of his love, eternal love. Yeah, Jesus would. I want to walk a little more like a Christian should. I want to dig a little deeper in the storehouse of his love, eternal love. So wonderful. I love you guys. Everybody loves you. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side. Here's a chance for us to have a little fun and tell one last story. Well, the McCrary sisters have been singing since they could walk, but that doesn't mean they're immune to every performer's nightmare, forgetting your words. Once again, here's Ann McCrary. We were somewhere at a festival. I can't remember. But anyway, Deborah started the song, Dig a Little Deeper, and she said she said the wrong words. And she was just singing, and she said the no, wrong words. I wonder why. This is Deborah. I, I was going to change around how I did the song, but when I got to the private school switch, I forgot. She forgot. <laughs> I forgot the words. And, and, and she was in the mic, and she forgot, and she went, oh. Like that, she just went, oh. And when she said, oh. I lost it. And I lost it. This is Frida. I lost it. And Regina got and Regina mad. Regina mad at us. <laughs> they was, they was were laughing at me stage. on stage. <laughs> and, and to forget lyrics. Oh, my God. Like, blowing in the wind. But everybody was, knew I forgot because I was like, oh. <laughs> I think it was the same festival. I think it's, I think it's every performer's nightmare. I'm going to forget the I lyrics. Know. We, forgot, we forgot the lyrics. And it was so funny. And Ann and I. I was laughing. I, we were, we were laughing. Drop. And Regina I, was like, she got the mama. She thing looked like our mama. Why are you all doing it? So we told them, and they like it when we're Because honest. Regina, Regina uh, knows that I don't, I don't take too well to get my feelings hurt. <laughs> I would cry in a minute. So they were laughing at me. So Gina knew I was about to cry. Yeah, but the audience, they love it when we're real. Yeah. And we just forgot, and we were laughing. And sometimes we, did we do the something live? You remember the Christmas thing we did live? And Anne got choked. Uh, Yeah. And I I thought it was so funny, and I couldn't finish my mm, mm, uh, uh, mm. I went into a laugh, and I couldn't, and then, 
mama mama did. she looked she looked she looked we turned around and she's giving us that look you know like your mama <laughs> give you when you acting bad oh that's God. the look that we got from her it was when i saw that look it just killed me and this is regina it was like all it took was for me to look over at them like this and throw my eyebrow up and they were already laughing then when they looked at me and saw that I was looking at them like, what are y'all doing? They, it just broke them down even more. <laughs> what, what do you think your daddy would think of this group now and what you've been able to accomplish, you know, following in his footsteps? This is Regina. I have a video and I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, when we were the CBS singers, he... Um, he, um, we sung out at Centennial Park, and after we finished singing, uh, uh, this guy, this friend of mine, was videotaping, mm -hmm. and he took the camcorder over to our daddy, and he said, Rev McCrary, he said, just tell me right now, what do you think about your daughters? What do you think about your family singing? And he looked in the camera, and one little tear streamed down his face, and he started beating himself in the chest like King Kong, like, yeah, I'm so proud. But that he, whenever he talked about us singing together, yeah. that was a prayer that he always prayed to God that he wanted. He wanted it was like, I, you gave me eight kids. All of them sing. I just want them to pursue this. But he never pushed us. Nope. Mm -hmm. He never told us we had to. He just left it upon us to make that decision if we wanted to. So when he saw us finally coming together, there was there's if he was here he'd probably say other than a gift from from God and an answer and a prayer answered that if he probably couldn't find a word, he'd probably cry. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how fulfilling this has been for me. <laughs> and I'm so glad all of you came. Aww. I was so worried we couldn't get all four together. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You are so welcome. Yeah. Next week, we'll sit down with the up-and-coming country music star, William Michael Morgan. We'll hear how he played in honky-tonks up and down the Mississippi well before he was old enough to raise a glass. Children of Song, the podcast everyone's talking about. If you like what you hear, become a subscriber on iTunes, listen to back episodes, and tell us what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's the one podcast that combines live singing with great storytelling. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. You know what's cool is you listen to each other because mm -hmm. you have to breathe at the same time. Mm -hmm. You have to end your tea at the same time. You have to bring in every vowel at the same time. Yeah. It's, and that, I don't know if that comes from a super, super strong rehearsal schedule or if you just feel it together. Because you know, that's really hard to do. Yeah. That's really hard. I, I, when you listen to the Fist Jubilee singers, uh -huh. same thing. They train because they sing a cappella all right. the time. Mm -hmm. And you have to, like, phrase uh -huh. exactly together, uh -huh. you know. And yeah. that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. People don't know, but it is. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you. God bless you. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.